Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, Cofield and Company live from Silver 7's. Steve Cofield alongside uh, momentarily. It is crazy outside. The rain is pouring and uh, the environment is a little nutty when it comes to driving around town. So we're out here at Silver 7's. And to John's point, everyone slow down. Uh, the other thing is, I know rain is different here. I assume everyone's driven in rain before, but uh, if you peel out at a light, take your car back to the dealership you got it from and leave it there. <laughs> All right, you don't. I don't know what this launching off the line at the light is when it's slick out. I saw I saw multiple people do it. Like unless you're doing it for fun, I watched a white pickup truck. You know, with rear wheel drive, an older truck, like just spinning and spinning, and I'm like, all right, this guy's clearly being a jerk and just doing it on purpose. Or like turning the truck. Come on. It's slick. Take it easy. By the way, a little personal advice. From my experience, uh, don't go anywhere near the convention center because CES is in town, so there's a lot of pedestrians out there, these poor people in town for this big convention and uh it's raining and pouring outside. So yeah, Silver Sevens. Eric Andrew is here with us. He's one of the bosses. I, you know, he's the boss. He's my boss <laughs> when we're down here. Uh, crank Eric up. So we always check in with Eric uh, at the beginning of the month. We got Thursday Night Football ended, but there's going to be more specials on the way sports-wise. So let's talk about, first of all, what's going on with the the thing I covet here because I am a beer drinker are the 77-cent beers. Those don't go away. That's correct. With um, Golden Knights, we are still doing the 77-cent Bud Lights. All right. So all Golden Knights games. So now we're, we're talking – Playoff run, let's get that through freaking May and into June. That's happening. I see some new signage right over your shoulder. Now we got a beer and a shot special. Yes, uh, we're actually bringing back entertainment. Uh, Fridays and Saturdays, 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. right here at the Bud Light Sports Bar. What? We have our entertainment. It's free. And then along with that, we actually will have, like you mentioned, the $3 beer and shot. Nice. Entertainment? Are you are you in charge of that too? Uh, yes, I am. My lord, Eric is in charge of everything down here. I try. <laughs> All right, what are we trying to get in here? Who are we trying to bring in? Uh, we're trying to get back to where we were uh, pre-COVID. Uh, okay. Before COVID, we used to have entertainment. We finally got to a point in 2023 where we're going to be relaunching that. Uh, as you'll see, the south entry right right here. We've reopened these Love that. doors. Love that because of COVID. Yep. It was shut down for a while, and uh, as you know. People love to see a sign that says, don't go this way, and then go right that way. So you always get the, the good alarm going. Yeah. So when I was saying, who are we bringing in? Is this, I assume, live music. Yes. Like, I don't think it's going to be a comedian up there telling jokes yeah. on a Friday. But it could be. Um, is this your choice in music, or what are we looking at here? Uh, we we actually have an agent. Uh, he nice. presents some uh, bands, duos, uh, individuals. So we're going to start off with doing a couple duos and a couple bands for January. And I then like going into February, we're going to have uh, different uh, duos and bands. And we're just going to try multiples out and just see who fills the place up. Eric Andrews with us. From Silver Sevens, we're getting started here on a Thursday show. Lots of stuff to get to. Busy, busy day. Busy month. Um, free giveaways continue with the A-Play card. Yes. So um, what do we got in terms of days and some of the giveaways? On Tuesdays, we do our midweek gift giveaway. You only have to earn 1,777 points to get one of those gifts. Uh, that's typically from 4.30 to 7. And then on Fridays, we're still doing our better gifts where we uh, give away things like a heated mattress topper or a 60s towel set. You only need to earn 2,500 points for that to get those gifts on those days. Newly redesigned restaurant. We're about, what, six weeks in, two yes. months in. 
to the new uh, City Cafe. So talk about that. I know a lot of expanded hours. Yes, and we actually um, relaunched the menu as of January 1st. So we do have an all-new menu with that. And also with that, we do have a new special because we always run some specials before we had shrimp cocktail and ribs. But we're actually doing a prime rib special on Fridays through Sundays starting at 4 to close. It's a 12-ounce slow-roasted prime rib, and it includes your seasonal vegetables and baked potato, and that's only $25.99. Nice. Beautiful. Beautiful. What else we got going on? We got, you got plans yet for uh, the soup? I can't say it. Big game. We got big game plans up yet. I know you guys are going to be working on something for that. What else we got cooking? We are actually in the process of getting the stuff ready for the big game. Uh, we'll have this uh, signage coming out here soon. But we're going to make it so that anybody that's got a player card will be able to come in, swipe, and then get some uh, Bud Light swag because we've actually partnered with Nevada Beverage, and they're going to be doing, you know, whether it's a T-shirt, whether it's a koozie or a keychain, you're going to, our guests are going to have the choice as to what they would get. Good deal. Anything else we got to pound home? Um, no, again, just the entertainment. We're bringing that back. Uh, and, again, as we progress through 2023, we're making some changes. We're getting the place cleaned up some more and nice. getting back to pre-COVID levels. Excellent. Excellent. Free parking in the garage or on the uh, the ground out front. It's Flamingo in Paradise. It's Silver Sevens. Eric, nice enough to uh, join us and also nice enough to bring us back. We're going to be here through at least the uh, the middle of 2023. I think our relationship now with the live show has gone over three years, it might be four yes. years. I, I lose track of time, but just you know, I appreciate it. And Lotus Broadcasting appreciates it, and so does ESPN Las Vegas. So we Eric, appreciate having you. Thank you. Thank you. Get seventy-seven cent bottles of Bud Bud Light and Michelob Ultra on NFL and Golden Knights game days at the Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, rock and rolling. Silver Sevens here on a Thursday. A lot of big news to get to today. The uh, news cycle finally changed. So we got good news in that news cycle with DeMar Hamlin. We'll get you an update on the fallen Bills player in just a little bit. Last couple days were really big news days with UNLV and Bobby Petrino. Uh, there's a former UNLV coach, Chris Beard. He's in the news. The guy who says he runs this town, it's his town, Dana White, he's in the news again. So we'll get to all that. But I wanted to talk about Petrino. And, you know, it's funny, John, we'll play some audio later on from Scott Farrell, big time national radio host. And I like Scott. He, I think he's great. I think he was doing a little bit for show today, but he was backing up Bobby Petrino saying, hey, who wouldn't leave UNLV for Texas A&M? Well, that's, that's really not the story here. Right. The story is, do you leave a place that you've made a commitment to, even if it's only been three weeks? Well, yes, you do. If you're Bobby Petrino, that's been his behavior. But there is a ripple effect. And one of the first people I thought of was uh, Blake Boda, who's a quarterback out of Florida, who had just committed to UNLV, but really had committed to Bobby Petrino. Again, just a few days ago, like, that's a kid now affected by your move as an adult, a 61-year-old, to say, hey, you know what? This loyalty is kind of part of my game, so I'm going to move on. Um, I'm waiting to get this guy on because I wanted to talk quarterbacking, and I wanted to get more information on Blake Boda. Uh, Baylor Trujillo is a big-time quarterback coach in the state of Florida, in uh, central Florida area. He played quarterback in college. He played in the Arena Football League, and he gives Steve and John a few minutes here in Vegas. How are you, sir? 
Doing well. Doing well. Cannot complain, man. I'm in the beautiful state of Florida right now where the weather is about 90 degrees in January. I don't know about you guys. I know you guys have the dry heat, you have the humidity, but uh, everything is going really well down here in Central Florida. You know what's hilarious is we usually do this to everyone else and rub it in their faces, but right now, oh it's gosh. actually raining here and it almost never rains here. It's rainy and cold, so uh, if you oh, want to give it to us, yeah, if you want to give it to us, you give it to us. Yeah, well, 90 degrees and sunny right now, so I love where I'm at. Okay, well, t- tell me where uh, you are in terms of what just happened with Bobby Petrino. I know you're very inside in this whole situation, but uh, your guy, Blake, was one of the first guys I thought of. You know, there's a lot more than just the the coach and the program when a coach decides to leave on short notice. Yeah, so where we're at now, I know it, a lot of things have transpired. And um, Blake Boda, special talent, he is uh, right now the Dairy Farmers Player of the Year in the state of Florida, 49 touchdowns, which is a state record, uh, threw for over 4,000 yards in 14 games, just won the state championship game as well a couple weeks ago. Um, now he's up for Mr. Florida. So he's a big-time recruit. Uh, he's starting to get a lot of national attention now, and uh, and one of the first offers he had was Missouri State with Bobby Vitrino. And so Bobby Vitrino had been following him midway through the season and offered him a scholarship and told him basically, like, if other opportunities presented itself, uh, if he was to move on, that maybe there would be a you know another opportunity. And so, sure enough, uh, he takes the UNLV job in the beginning of December, and literally right after Blake Boda won the state title game. He calls him and says, hey, I'm just letting you know um, I took, I've taken the OC quarterback job at UNLV and you have now a full scholarship offer and you're number one on our board. And if anybody has followed UNLV closely, there's not really much movement at that position, at the quarterback position for uh, their signing day or the transfer portal. So uh, Blake Butler was a big get for UNLV. And I know I've, I've, I've talked to multiple sources and, and multiple people and they're really excited about Blake Boda and so is Bobby Petrino. And he's always been his number one guy. And so um, the last couple of weeks, has been, uh, it's been a tough battle because, you know, I've gotten calls from the University of Miami. I've talked to Michigan State a little bit. Baylor's now in the mix. So there's some big-time Power 5 programs that are reaching out to me about Blake Boda, but Blake has always been a Petrino guy. And so um, we've been wrestling back and forth. I know his birthday was, uh, January, is January 21st, and that's really when he wanted to commit, and he was going to take an official visit. Uh, January 14th, and we were actually going to go to Vegas together. And then all of a sudden, yesterday, out of nowhere, he calls me, and he's like, Coach, did you see what just happened? I'm like, what are you talking about? And sure enough, I go on Twitter, and it was like 10 minutes ten minutes ago, they announced that he was in talks of taking the Texas A&M job. And so he's like, Coach, what do I do? Because I just committed two days ago, and he only committed because of his relationship with Bobby Vitrino. And he trusted him. Obviously, he's, he's known for his offense. He, you know, he's got a great resume. So I told him, pull the trigger. Uh, two, like two, two, three days ago, and sure enough, he did. So he, he followed the instruction, and he was excited about it. He didn't want to wait anymore, and um, you know he was all in with UNLV, and then by Vecino decides to make the, the crazy last-second audible to take the Texas A&M job and, uh, and kind of threw things for a loop. So, of course, Blake's calling me, you know, trying to figure out what's happening, and, uh, and then, he, you know, then he's, now he's wondering if UNLV is going to honor a scholarship because now he's committed. Um, so we finally got that squared away. Uh, I did get in contact with the coach. They did say that his scholarship is a full ride. They still want him to come there regardless of Petrino's status or whatever. So uh, as of right now, Blake Boda is 100% committed to UNLV. Uh, Bobby Petrino did end up reaching out to Blake Boda um, a couple hours after he accepted or the, when the news came out what was taking place. And he did say that he's going to reassess the quarterback position at Texas A&M to see where they are. I know they do have a commit in the 23 class. 
Um, there's a couple guys leaving in the portal, so they don't know if there's scholarships available for Blake uh, at Texas A&M. But as of right now, he is fully committed to UNLV, and he does plan to enroll there uh, this summer. Would you say that he is still, after all of this, you, you mentioned he was a Bobby Petrino guy. Does this leave a sour taste in his mouth, kind of pulling the rug out from under him and leaving yeah, I mean, like that? I wouldn't say it's a sour taste because he still, he still loves Petrino. I mean, at the end of the day, Petrino has kept him honest this whole time. He did say at Missouri State, maybe there's opportunities, and sure enough, it did happen. At UNLV, he did offer him right as he take the, took the job, and then he did make the phone call yesterday, which he didn't owe Blake a phone call at all or anything, and he did reach out to Blake and even reached out to myself as well. Uh, to make sure that he was okay and, and let him know, like, hey, you've always been my guy, and uh, this is what's happening. And unfortunately, this is the business of Division One. And you know, when opportunities present itself, you know, coaches go, and that's you know part of being at this level. And so I tried to tell Blake that yesterday. I was like, look, that's why you want to commit to a school and not a coach, because these coaches are like a revolving door. They're always going to go where the opportunity presents itself, whether that's financially, family related, or what have you. But uh, it's just part of the game, and it's unfortunate that a coach takes a job three weeks after he's committed to another program, and then you have a commit like that. So uh, it, might, it might work in Blake's favor to be committed now to UNLV because now they have to technically honor a scholarship. Now, not to say that the head coach didn't want him as much as Petrino because the head coach obviously did want him to commit. But at the end of the day, like, now he is committed. They're going to honor the scholarship, and as right now on our conversations with Blake, he is going to be a rebel come uh, this August. So a lot of this, of course, has been Bobby Petrino recruiting him and taking him and him being his guy. Yeah. What, what does he know about the UNLV program? What does he like about the UNLV program that would allow him to stay committed? Well, he, obviously, it's a big-time football program, so there's a lot of, you know, Vegas is, is honestly, you know, it's like going to the University of Miami. It's, just a, it's one of the areas where you feel like, you know, the world's at your fingertips and you have a lot of opportunities business-wise, marketing-wise, and stuff like that, and NAL stuff. So a lot of stuff is really attractive. Uh, to Blake, he's been to Vegas multiple times. He's been he's been there like three or four times on uh, seven on seven trips, and he just loves the atmosphere there. And uh, again, UNLV is in talks of maybe becoming Power Five, moving to Pac-12. So there's just a bunch of different like opportunities. And then obviously with the offense, I know that since they hired a guy like Bobby Petrino, where they are offensively minded with the head coach, and it's going to be a high tempo spread offense, maybe some RPO. That's stuff that Blake Boat is used to and loves. So. He is definitely interested to see who they're going to hire next as their OC quarterback coach. And I can only imagine it has to be pretty fast because the next signing period is coming up, which is he does plan on signing on signing day February 1st. So a lot of things have to start taking place at UNLV to really steal the deal. But as of right now, again, he's just attracted to just a lifestyle at Vegas, even though he's not like the party kid at all. Um, but he just loves the atmosphere. He loves the, the dry heat. He loves the lights, the cameras, like he's just very big into that, and he performs under those type of environments. And like I said, he's already been there three or four times, so he knows what he's getting into. The only thing he's never done is seen the campus for it, like a tour. He's been there, but he hasn't actually gone on a tour and stuff. So he was really excited by taking his official visit this month in the next week or so. Um, and I know he's still planning on doing that, but, you know, it's just, again, with this whole Bobby Petrino, that's the only reason why UNLV even came up, because he's always been Petrino's number one guy. So... Mm. Like I said, once Pacino took the UNLV job, boom, he offered him a full scholarship. So, and now he committed, and they talk literally every single day. And, and again, Bobby Pacino had no business in reaching out to Blake yesterday after he took the job, and he did. So it just shows you that Pacino does believe in Blake Boda and his talents and, and loved you know, what he brought to the table. And at the end of the day, there's no guarantees at A&M because it's an SEC program. You know, this, this late in the game, you know, with a first signing day period, you just don't know what the quarterback situation is like. 
And so, you know, Blake is now still fully committed to UNLV and hoping to fully enroll in August. You know, I'm just laughing. We're talking to Alan Trujillo, not laughing at what you were saying. I was just thinking there's no way Petrino would actually, like, would Petrino still feel good about stealing Blake from UNLV? I, know, I mean, come, bro, you, I mean, you're, you left inside he, of three weeks. How about one of the recruits you land, you just you stay away from him now? Yeah. It's crazy. If you notice Bobby Petrino's Twitter page, he started un- unretweeting a lot of things that he was posting. But oh, wow. the only thing he kept there was Blake Bodas. It's literally the first thing you see when you uh, when you go on his Twitter page, other than him announcing uh, that he took the job. But he still has Blake Bodas' commitment retweeted. So I know he's a Blake Boda fan. He again, he's he's talked to me. He's talked to he talked to Blake a lot, and he's been clear cut from day one about Blake and and his belief and his talent and course again he offered him when he was at missouri state and I, you know he wasn't going to go to missouri state i'm be honest with you even even though but probably your channel was there that was not even an option and then once he moved to unlv that's what became a serious option he was looking at schools like miami or usf uh to pull the trigger if they were the if they were going to pull the trigger on him and usf ended up doing that but that was after unlv had pulled the trigger so or actually it was right after usf pulled the trigger unlv did but he was always in communication with bobby petrino but yeah it was uh it's, it's definitely that would be crazy right because you know, he never told Blake anything. And according to Blake, in my conversation with him and his conversation with uh, Bobby, that he had no idea that Texas A&M job was even a possibility. He got a call randomly like a night, night ago from Jimbo Fisher offering him the job. So it wasn't like he knew it and then he made Blake commit and then he takes the job. So it was all bang, bang. He made a quick decision. He accepted the job. Uh, I'm sure there was some lucrative money behind behind that. There's no way you just take a job and let, you know without even thinking about it. But clearly it was enough to to pull that so you know i just it would it would be i mean i get the business but it would be like wow like UNLV finally gets a quarterback to commit in their in this class and the bobby Trino takes a job and he steals their quarterback he just that just committed that would <laughs> that would be rough um but you know it, it is college football and unfortunately you see that on signing day where guys are committed and the next thing you know, they sign with other teams I mean, you see it right now with the number one player in the country and kamani mcclain you know, everybody thinks he's signing with Miami. Now he's pulling it out. Now Colorado's in the mix because of Deion Sanders or whatever. So it's just crazy how things happen. But, uh, yeah, it would be it would be very interesting to see what they do in, in the next couple of days or weeks with, with Blake Boda and the Texas A&M Aggies. But, uh, like I said, from my conversations with Blake and even today, he's, he's fully committed and he's going to give him a shot because at the end of the day, the head coach really liked him and, and wanted him to commit. So it's not like Bobby Petrino was the only one involved in that recruitment process at UNLV. It was everybody. So, he still feels comfortable there, and uh, he still wants to play big-time football, and he believes that he can come in and compete right away, which is a big factor in his recruitment. And uh, UNLV seems to be the one to present itself. I was just saying, luckily, it doesn't sound like Bobby Petrino would do anything like that. So he's an outstanding guy. You never know. You never know. Baylor Trujillo's with us. Quarterback coach uh, has tutored uh, Blake Boda, the 2023 quarterback commit for the Rebels, who was recruited to UNLV by Bobby Petrino, of course, now is with Texas A&M. I wanted to close on this. Um, listen, you're not, you know, you're not, uh, you know, someone who uh, doesn't know about the game. I mean, you, you played college football. You dealt with the interesting underbelly of, you know, next level football right below the NFL because uh, you played in the Arena League, and you know that's yeah. that's not an easy deal. Um, I wanted to get your take on what do you think it's going to take for one of these leagues to break through? Like, we're going to have an XFL team here uh, that yeah. starts up, in, you know, inside of a couple of weeks. Um, right. What 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 is going to make a league like that or some of the other leagues these these next leagues down? What's going to have them actually survive and thrive for like five, six, you know, ten years? 
Um, you know, it's just the backing and the funding. I think that everything has to do with the dollar. And so when you have a big funding and you big sponsorships and big corporations that are you know, built into this and bringing like marketing um, expertise into something like that, that's what's really going to drive uh, excitement. Because at the end of the day, you know, things die because there's nobody excited about it. And like you see these, these lower leagues that just pop up out of nowhere. I mean, Steve Spurrier is, you know, involved in the league and they fold midway through the season. And so you see stuff like that, but there's no viewership. And so what they, what the XFL did, which is smart, is they already, you know, partnered with other like big time television broadcasts. And so those guys, those games will always be televised and, and bringing money to, uh, obviously the, the business. And so that's what's going to really take. And unfortunately, the Arena League, when it was at its peak, you know, it was always televised. Big, you know, big games are televised. Now what are they doing? They're putting on YouTube TV. So the only people making money are the people on the YouTube channel. So the, the only way to make this really work is you've got to have a big backing funding-wise, but you have to put marketing behind it. And that's unfortunately what I fell through. And, again, I played with the Orlando Predators, and I kind of exposed them on some things because they weren't paying players. They were paying me until I got hurt, but they weren't paying players and stuff like that. So it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And as soon as I got hurt, I, I got to see kind of like, the business side of things, because, again, I never really said anything because I was always getting paid. But once I got hurt and I wasn't really an asset to the team anymore, um, I started to see how it was trickling down. And so I kind of exposed them, went to the media, and it went, it went crazy a couple years ago, um, I believe in 2019. But, um, but yeah, man, the only way to back it up, man, is you got to have support and you got to have funding. And the only way to get that is to really market the brand and, and get it in the eyes of, of viewers. And people get excited about watching on TV, not trying to go on a YouTube channel where the internet goes out and they can't access it. So uh, I think The Rock is going to, you know, do things in place. He's been on the business side of things and big-time big, big time business like, the you know, WWE and stuff like that. And he's going to bring more excitement to get these guys opportunities to present themselves in front of a big-time stage to get those guys hopefully to the next level, which is the NFL. Baylor, great spot, man. We appreciate all the information, and uh, let's talk again soon, okay? Thank you. Yes, sir, guys. God bless, and uh, go Rebels. Nice. All right. Baylor Trujillo played in the Arena League, played at South Florida, has been working with Blake Boda, who is the, I'll say, latest QB commit because I, I don't know what's going to happen with this. I hope he sticks with it. Mm-hmm. Um, they had Ty Diefenbach from Agora Hills in California, but he was an Arroyo guy, so um, I'm assuming, and I'm not speaking poorly of the kid or his family, I'm assuming based on the behavior of Pat Narduzzi in Pittsburgh that they had contacted him you know, or they were in contact with him the whole time he was committed. TUNLV, which is not, you know, illegal, but that's right. kind of the way college football is working now, just as I would expect. Right now, all UNLV has from Blake Boda is a verbal, and if other opportunities open up, you know, at the same level as UNLV or higher or regionally, more of a regional match, that people are going to keep talking to him. So we'll see if this gets to the finish line. And I, I don't believe for one second that UNLV won't be prepared, you know, to go after the next two or three people they had in line for a quarterback commit. If that's what they're looking for is just one quarterback, which I'll, I'll say to Folks, you know, in the audience and, and every once in a while you see some comments on on uh, social media and Twitter about the quarterback room with UNLV. The quarterback room right now doesn't mean that it's going to be right. looking like this a month from now. I have n- First of all, now the whole thing is thrown in flux. Listen, Doug Brownfield's going to be the, the lead to be the starting quarterback. And you would assume they're going to get an OC who wants to run a style that matches his skill set. But whoever the OC is could look around the rest of the room and go, no, no, no. You know, I've got this guy in the transfer portal that I like. I want this freshman. So it's all up in the air right now outside of Brumfield. Right. And I would say from Boda's standpoint, too, it, this, I thought this interview was awesome because it gives you an insight. Like I, like I used the phrase, the rug was kind of pulled out for him. Like he's, he's texting his quarterback coach being like, did you see the news? Like, what is this? He had no idea. 
And frankly, I mean, he who we were talking when we were talking uh, right now, Balin seems like a really nice guy. I thought he was doing a lot to defend Bobby Petrino. He did not communicate with this kid at all before taking the job. And if he decides to pull out, you can totally understand because, as he mentioned, it was a good line. You commit to the school, not to the coach, but it seemed like in this instance he committed to the coach and now not entirely sure about his own situation. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at me, JVT, or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. So a lot of positive updates on DeMar Hamlin, the Bills player, cardiac arrest on Monday Night Football. I mean, nothing is guaranteed, but it sounds like brain function is in pretty good shape. Most of what's come out today is major progress. Hmm? Now, he's not speaking yet, but he can't because he still has a breathing tube, you know, down his throat. And I don't think they've taken him off the, uh, you know, I just said he still has the breathing tube, so I don't, he's not breathing on his own. So I guess that would be the, the next step. But it seems like from a cognitive standpoint that he's doing pretty well. Yeah, he's, he's writing to communicate, it sounds like, uh, which is a good thing. Asked via writing, apparently, uh, if they had won the game um, when, he, when he had woken up and come to. Um, holding hands, you know, squeezing hands, doing those, those sort of things, being mentally responsive. So those are all really good things. And I think it's obviously how everybody listening to this who's a general sports fan is very happy to hear stuff like that. So it's been an interesting week because I think a lot of people have kind of mentally shut down and there's some, there was some, some guilt. I said this a lot on mm-hmm. Tuesday. There was some guilt from people and the way they watch sports and talk about sports and maybe a little appreciation of what is going on out there from a physicality and a risk standpoint so one of the things that's been on hold the nfl out of respect for hamlin it's basically just not made a decision or probably made a decision a day ago or had multiple plans but did not want to speak about it what they're going to do with this bills game against the Bengals, what they're going to do with week 18 what they're going to do with the playoffs i have no idea where they stand right now because i've heard so many different ideas about what they could do what have you heard uh, that this essentially the game is just no contest. They're going to cancel it. They're not going to play it. Thus, go by win probability if that's going to be the case. I have heard week nineteen win, win percentage. A uh, win percentage. Yeah. What did I say? Probability. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, they didn't go through a whole formula right. like, well, we think the Bills should be the number one seed based Actually, on this model. They just sim it in Madden, and they're like, this is what would have happened. Um, yeah. So win percentage. Uh, which, by the way, if they do go that route, that would eliminate any chance for the Bengals to win the number one seed. They still have an outside shot to do that if they go by record. There has been talks of giving, so allowing one team to choose either the buy or a home game and then letting the other team get the, what the other did not select. There is all, I've, I, these are all just things I've read. Um, was it a home game or just or home field advantage? No, no, no. So it was, it was one of the two. So it was, like, okay. it was like, so let's say like for the Bills in this example, they would get to pick the buy or they would get to pick home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, if they did, if they picked the home field throughout the playoffs, they'd have to play, but the Cincinnati Bengals would get the bye. Like, I don't know how you'd make that work, but they would make that work. Um, you've heard add an eighth playoff team to the AFC to eliminate the advantage that the number one overall seed would get. That would be, it looks like, the Kansas oh, City wow. Chiefs at this point. Uh, like, there's, there's so many different things that have been thrown out there at this point. Nothing official, but everybody just throwing ideas out there. What did Adam Schefter have? Let me present a couple of scenarios. One of them comes compliments of our Matthew Hasselbeck. And I know the league has thought about this one. He said, you call the Bengals' bills a tie. Mm -hmm. The number one seed gets the choice of home field 
throughout the playoffs or the bye. The number two seed gets whatever isn't chosen. So either a bye or home field advantage. Okay, is that a report or just spitballing by Hasselbeck? It sounds like spitballing by Hasselbeck. And also, like, I guess, because he, he did throw in there, I know the league has talked about this, okay. but, like, who? Like, people in the water cooler in the National Football League have talked about it, or people have actually had serious conversations about considering this an idea? What else, Shafter? The other one that I think might be even more viable and might be the one that the league enacts before Saturday's game is this. If there is an AFC championship game in the end that involves teams that don't have the same amount of games played, where Monday night's non-result factors into who gets home field advantage, I think the league would say, we're not going to have any home field advantage this year. We're going to play the conference championship game on a neutral site. Vegas! All right, we get a game. I mean, where else would they do it? Probably Detroit. How, it's always how, Detroit. How arrogant is that? Exactly. <laughs> it's always Detroit. Exactly. Freaking Detroit. You can't get more. I mean, pretty neutral. I mean, Vegas would obviously be neutral, but the, obviously money matters, right? So, like, the question would be, I mean, I'm pretty sure. It, it, it should when you consider the fans. Correct. Because it is going to be more pricey in almost every scenario for both fan bases to get here. Right. So, like, that's why I think they would hesitate to do it to Las Vegas. I think they'd be able to fill the arena no matter what, right? It's football. And well, a lot you know, of people I, I should retract that. There is an outside shot that someone could make a run like the Chargers. Yeah. So I don't want to just say, like, oh, it's definitely going to be the Bengals, the Bills, or the Chiefs. So then, you know, Detroit's close to them. I mean, it sounds like, though, you're listening to that Schefter clip. It, it just means, I don't know why he phrased it like that. It sounds like it's just the Bills or the Bengals. Right? He said if it's anybody who has he played did, a right. different he number of games. That. He did say that. You're right. right. So it doesn't say, like, if it was like a Chiefs Chargers AFC Championship be game, well, yeah, you'd be fine. It's just if it just involves the Bengals or the Bills, that would be the thing. 777 gets you two hot dogs, two bags of chips, and a 22 ounce Bud, Bud Light, or Michelob Ultra draft on NFL and Golden Knights game days at the Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. Lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor, Xavier Pope, he is live on Cofield and Company. Crazy week, crazy week in sports. Lots of highs and lows, lots to catch up with. Xavier Pope out of Chicago is with us. Xavier. Yeah. Hey, hey, what's up, Steve? How you doing? A whole lot. It's been a crazy week. Uh, I want to get to the latest update with DeMar Hamlin and, and and talk about that whole thing. And he's doing much better. The Bills player had a cardiac arrest on the field on Monday. But I know you've been watching what's been going on in the media. And I think we're going to have a good discussion here about skip and shannon and fs1 and hamlin what have you seen out of that undisputed show uh it, is, it seems like it's a, a, a relationship that's breaking apart right before our eyes um and this is i mean it, we know we all talk about these sports opinion shows and, and two guys across from each other yelling at each other that 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 get popular with first take and around the horn all this stuff like that but this feels a little bit more personal um with uh over time with Skip and Shannon getting into it uh, just not that long ago, and him, Skip, saying that Shannon wasn't that good, and, and, and Shannon getting upset, taking his glasses off. That was being mocked by Shaq and Charles Barkley. And then we have this situation where Shannon doesn't come on the show after the Hamlin injury. 
Skip goes on there with a half-assed apology, and Shannon goes on there to say, hey, I think you should have taken this tweet down. And then Skip goes right at him and interrupts him. It just looks like a, a, a deteriorating, not just a deteriorating pers- business relationship, it looks like a deteriorating personal relationship as well. So, Xavier, my thing with, with Skip and what has happened over the last couple of days, uh, and I, I haven't seen many people talk about this. I'm the only person who's thought about this. Um, I, I think what is happening, it's coming home to roost that Skip throughout his entire career has not treated athletes like people, right? He, does not, he has not treated them as humans. He has d- demeaned them. He has built his career on talking poorly about them. And now you have one across from you in, in Shannon Sharp. It is starting to wear on Shannon Sharp. And when you go at him personally like that, he's not going to take it when it's right there in front of him. And I think a big part of that is Skip has built his career on these guys' back and talking down and badly about them. And I think it's coming home to bite him. Yeah, John, I don't, I don't know if you remember the, 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 the Matt Barnes video, him talking about players over the course of his career who wanted to go at Skip over the course of the years. There are a lot of athletes who flat out don't like him because him, a non-athlete, choosing to attack athletes for their character, for their work ethic, or for their professionalism, when he hasn't demonstrated any ounce of class, respect, toward the games that they play, toward the efforts they put on the field, and also the men that they are and women that they seek to be in the world outside the world of sports. Uh, he's an absolute grifter, classless human being, and he's shown it time and time again. And then it turned on Shannon, and he realized, hey, he, he just means this in general. He's, he's used his whole career to do this, and I think I might need to divorce myself from this as well. But you also consider Shannon is now more popular in media than he's ever been. He doesn't need Skip anymore. Xavier, what started this was the tweet. When you read that Skip Bayless tweet, what did you think? I thought, I thought it was insensitive. I thought it was, it was completely tone deaf, and it looks like his attempt, quote-unquote, at nuance, but he was really trying to get his hot take, oh, what's going to happen to the NFL? What's going to happen to the game? Uh, there's a guy fighting for his life on the field. Um, and to show the complete lack of understanding and self-awareness of the situation, then come back and later on and say no one had a problem with it, and then doubling on that and say I stand by what I said, um, just shows the type of character that Skip Bayless has um, I, and, and the type of people who watch his show who are interested in non-athletes that sit with Cheetos on their laps and think they can say something about primarily black athletes and think this is a cool thing to do. What if that's the majority of the audience? Yeah, I mean, it, it just says a lot about the, the audience. They suck, too. Let's keep it real, guys. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people who, who don't have any identity outside of being absolute jerks toward other people. And people like Skip embody their, their ego, their, 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 how small they really are as human beings. And anyone who professes to love Skip in such a way that he embodies who they are as a person, they're also jerks as well. And what I meant by the majority of the audience is I think there's a lot of people out there who kind of have a passing interest in sports. You know, it's a, it's a good outlet for them. Um, they don't necessarily care about the athletes. I just, you know, we talk about this all the time. In media, who are we supposed to cater to? Should we go to a higher level or do we go to the lowest common denominator, which may have the biggest audience? And in the end, isn't that what FS1 signed Skip Bayless for? I mean, essentially that is what they signed them for, attempting to get that pool of fans. But I think that that just shows some of the old guard that's there who think that that's what fans actually want when there are tons that the statistics show there are plenty types of fans who follow sports 
who they want their sports delivered to them in a completely different way. Heck, my presence in media has grown specifically from talking about sports in a more intellectual capacity, adding all the different layers of what's happening in society around sports. There are people who have, who have an appetite for that. I just think that there's a more simple, way too simplistic way of looking at content. There are a lot of smart people. You're assuming your audience is dumb, ignorant, all the is that you can add to it, and uh, phobics that you can add to it, and I don't think that's an appropriate way to look at your audience. Uh, why don't you uh, educate them? Why don't you learn them up? Why don't you have them treat people like human beings? And the Hamlet incident was a perfect example to do that, and Skip did not prove that. So while Fox has had this drama unfolding you know, around Damar Hamlin, um, I actually think this is much more well-organized behind the scenes than, than others. While Fox has been dealing with that, ESPN finally got to Dana White and his incident in Cabo where he was struck by his wife and then he struck her back on video and maybe was going in for a few more shots before it was broken up. And Stephen A. Smith and Molly Karam both had something to say today. I'm sure you've seen this video. I thought it was an odd first real like opinionated comment to come out of ESPN from these two. I thought it was a tough watch. Um, We've heard over the last Couple couple days, Stephen A. Smith called uh, Skip Bayless his brother, um, and then he goes and called Dana White his friend. Um, I, I, I don't. I, you have to consider what you, what are you reporting on? Are you reporting to, to 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 vouch for the character of this person that you're covering, or are you covering the issue and what's happened? And I think that when you put someone with a relationship, you say Stephen Smith and Molly, they both once said vouch for his character. Stephen A. Smith said it was his friend. And also considering the relationship that Dana White has with ESPN Plus, um, you now have a conflict of interest. And so now you have to be clear about exactly what are you reporting and why you're reporting it. When you blend those issues like that, you look more like PR than you are actually reporting a comment on the story. We're going to play those comments in about a half an hour for the audience, but I, I just want you to repeat something you just said. Um, you think what they said, both of them, Stephen A. Smith and Molly Karam, they were vouching for Dana White's character? Yeah, I think they were. And, I, 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 you know, Stephen A. Smith said, hey, we t- I told him we would talk about this on air. Uh, okay, you said you would talk about it on air. It, we, we don't support, okay, domestic violence is wrong. Everyone knows that. So what, what exactly did you get out of that story, Steve, other than I don't think domestic violence is right in – Dana White's my friend, I'm Josh Ford's character. What what are you as an audience member are supposed to glean from that? Oh, because he's Stephen A. Smith's friend and because Molly has vouched for him, he's okay and let's get along with the domestic violence. Oh, so if you're not his friend and you don't have a connection to him and you don't have a relationship with the network with his business, then now he can be a terrible person? What what is exactly you want the audience to understand or know? And I think that's the most important part of that story. You're now, that's what's wrong with conflict of interest. You have to be able to, when you're conveying the conflict, you then have to act in such a way that you're disseminating the difference between what you're reporting on and, and as well as determining what the relationship and outcome is going to be. And it didn't look like that was really clear on air with Molly and Stephen A. And the other conflict, uh, the confliction for Stephen A. Smith, his agent or agency, WMA. Endeavor, so there's that as well. I didn't even know yep, that. Yep, with the, when it comes to the parent company for UFC, okay. yeah. And Xavier, I thought what was kind of the, the grossest part for me because we've we kind of mentioned a little bit here, Molly having Molly Kiram, or I don't even know if having her do it, but her having to address the wife and actually bringing up the fact that you shouldn't be striking anybody, I thought was kind of the grossest part of the clip. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think that when it comes to marginalized groups, putting someone out there that is of that group, right. 
um, to shield the person is it's not a good look. Um, you, you you can crit- if you're going to report on a story, and it's supposed to be critical of the behavior, criticize the actual behavior, not the phenomenon. Because all I heard was domestic violence isn't good. Hitting someone isn't. We all know that. Say, hey, Dana White, what you did to your wife was despicable and it was terrible. And you need to learn from this and grow from this. And, okay, you need to be able to suspend yourself. Talking in that manner. But you can't come along and say, hey, he's a good guy, everyone. He's my friend. I support him. That, 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 you have to pull that out of the situation and report on the actual story. University of Texas, to this point, is harder at least with this story on domestic violence, then ESPN. Chris Beard, who, believe it or not, was actually the UNLV coach for about 18 days before uh, he turned away and went to Texas Tech, landed at Texas. Well, he had a high-profile incident. Not on video, though. Not on video. uh, But he had a high-profile incident. He was arrested, charged with felony assault, and uh, Texas got rid of one of the top ten coaches in college basketball today. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big story. um, But they had had an outclaw. Um, that determined that if he, he could be fired for cause and one of them was including a felony. Well, he's charged with a felony. Now he, he, he's done. And I think that big institutions like that, they don't want to be on the hook for all that money after what he's done to be able to harm that program. And so they did the appropriate thing and moved forward. I, I think that something to remember about the Dana White and also this situation. Remember what happened with Ray Rice. And, and he, he struck his then fiance. And so it wasn't as if, okay, you know, some of the things we look at the old gays and how people had these relationships. Oh, you know, this is a domestic situation. I mean, he still was never allowed to come back on the field ever again. And so some of these same things that happen now, happen now. If, if we're more conscious about domestic violence and about the rights of women, we have to be even across the board, whether it's on camera or whether it's off. You know, the, the sad part is we were doing sports talk radio when the Ray Rice thing went down. Um, you know, we're talking about, what, about eight years ago now. And I still see the DV bros, uh, those folks on Twitter. And a lot of them are anonymous, so it's easy to do when you have no name connected to it. But I still see a lot of guys out there who are like, what's the big deal? You know, you got to defend yourself. Sounds like Chris Beard's fiance, you know, uh, you know, was going after him. He had to defend himself. Dana White had to defend himself. How do we stop that culture of guys uh, saying yeah. that this is okay in I any mean, way? That- yeah, those same coaches are thinking that it, it, uh, that Deshaun Watson deserves a happy ending after a massage. So um, we see where those 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 bros come from and what they feel about women. And uh, we should we should have advanced far along in this culture uh, in terms of how we treat women in our society to do to, to say and do things to have attitudes and behaviors like that, Steve and John. Xavier, great spot. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Love you. Love you guys. There you go. Nice job, John. You beat him to the punch. It sounded genuine too. Yeah, we'll, we'll build on this. Today was real interesting. Uh, we'll actually play the clips from Stephen A. and and Molly. Certainly have to get into Chris Beard. Yes. What UNLV may have escaped with that one, right? Mm-hmm. Lamenting the fact that he went on to become such a big winner. And there's no doubt in my mind he is one of the top ten coaches in all of college basketball. Also, no doubt in my mind that whether it's Liberty or somewhere else, he'll have a new stop in about two years and you know do the redemption tour. He'll be coaching again.